Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. It's great to be back with all of our listeners again today as we again open up God's Word and dig a little bit deeper, think a little bit more thoroughly perhaps, or maybe just a little more deeply, and learn a little bit more and thereby grow grow stronger in our faith, stay strong in our faith, and come closer to God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We keep emphasizing that how vital it is that we get into God's Word on a regular, consistent basis. We encourage you to really think about how you're learning about God as we come together and study His Word on a regular basis here in Search the Scriptures. As we get into His Word more and more deeply, more and more thoroughly, your faith in God should be growing. And as your faith in God grows, you should be coming closer to God. And our prayer is that ultimately, you will recognize your need to come to God all the way, His way, through Jesus Christ, His Son, your Lord and Savior. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3 and verse 16. Perhaps the most quoted and memorized verse of Scripture in the entire Bible. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans 5 and verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his Son into this world as the Savior, because we, as humankind, humanity, we needed saving. We needed saving from the guilt of our sins. Jesus went to that cross as the perfect one-time-for-all-time sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. God loves you that much. He loves humanity that much. He created us in His image. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Let us create man. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. He created us thereby unique from everything else that he created. He created us with a soul, with a soul. Nothing else that God created has a soul. So it is no wonder that God went on and said, and let them have dominion over the face of the earth, over everything else that he created. Verses 26 and 27 of Genesis chapter 1. We have within us, within our physical being, we have that spiritual being that we call and that the scriptures identify as a soul. That makes us unique from everything else that God created. And it also gives us free will and the understanding of the consequences of exercising our free will either for goodness or for evil. Sin separates us from God. That's disobedience to God. That's wickedness. That's evil. God sent his son to pay the price for our sins, hanging on that cross, allowing his blood to be shed, giving his life, physical life, thereon as that perfect sacrifice. I hope you understand that. I'm not sure we can ever, in this physical life, fully wrap our minds around what God did for us in sending his son to that cross. But he did that for you. 
And our prayer is that as we keep studying together, you will ultimately make up your mind to come to God through your Savior, Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in him openly, and surrendering to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. And you will be saved. You will be made new spiritually, reborn, as Jesus said, must happen. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, for you to have that home in heaven. And you can there, there from that point forward, look forward to that eternal home in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We encourage you to go to our website and encourage everyone you know to do so as well. Churchofchrist.com. Churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to our podcast button. Click on that and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. We're not after anybody's wallet. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you'll automatically receive Search the Scriptures to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever smart device you choose. It will automatically go there. And so even if you can't tune in at the prescribed times on this radio station, you can still pick up the program whenever you have the convenient opportunity. But you'll also receive all of our sermons, a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, and also a great daily short, about a 13-minute Bible study every day called Today's Bible Class. It will be automatic, it will be continual, and again, it will always be free. If you're in the Omaha area, we hope you'll come and study with us, grow spiritually with us, worship with us in person. Bible classes begin on Sunday morning at 9.30, worship at 10.30, Wednesday night Bible classes each Wednesday evening at 6.30. Our building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. We hope to see you. We're going to get back into our study that we began last time, and this is going to be a somewhat lengthy series of studies, a focus on the existence of God. Does it make sense to believe in God? Does God really exist? Well, of course he does. But how do we demonstrate to that, that to somebody who is either skeptical or who may just outright not believe. Well, what I'm trying to do in this particular series of studies is look at the existence of God, belief in God from a logical, analytical perspective. Now, I like that term, analytical. I, I talk about, on a fairly regular basis, analytical reasoning. I think from an analytical perspective. I maybe, I, I've even said maybe I'm, <laughs> it's somewhat of a, uh, maybe I shouldn't say a curse, but I, I, it's just so natural for me. I don't want to know just what you're going to tell me. I want to know why you're telling me that. I want to know the evidence behind it. Demonstrate it to me. Show me. I want to know the nuts and the bolts of a matter, not just a surface level statement of, Reality. I want to know why should I believe this? How does this work? 
Well, why should we believe in God? Now, a lot of people would say, well, the Bible says so. Well, an atheist isn't going to believe what the Bible says because he doesn't believe what he doesn't believe God. And the Bible identifies itself as the word of God. So he won't accept that at all. Well, how could we get across to somebody the logic, the reasoning behind analytical thinking that does not just demonstrate that God exists, but it actually compels us to believe in God because the evidence is so overwhelming. Logical reasoning. Now, as I said, when I introduced this particular subject, I talked about how people will commonly jump to scientific evidence demonstrating the reality of a designer or the reality of a creator, the reality of believing in a mind, a, 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 a overwhelming, an overwhelming spiritual being that brought everything into existence in an orderly fashion and created everything with order. Now, we'll get to that, but I'm going to push that particular segment of this study all the way to the end of our series. I want to begin with some logical reasoning from perspectives that a lot of people probably do not think about as far as demonstrating the compelling need to believe in God. Now, I'm not talking about someone being compelled to believe in God against their will. I'm talking about as the facts are laid out, that logical reasoning or analytical reasoning brings us to the conclusion that there is no other reasonable conclusion to reach other than believing in God. Now we're starting with the reality of morality. And I believe that one of the most compelling proofs of God's existence is the basic sense of morality within the conscience of mankind. It is purposefully designed within each one of us as a conscience, an internal governor or regulator that guides us in principles of right and wrong, of goodness and evil, of morality. Morality. No other life form has a conscience. As I said, we can train animals to do certain things and also to refrain from doing certain things based upon reward and punishment. But that's simply a learned technique. It's simply a learned behavior, trained behavior. But mankind, human beings, have designed within them internally a conscience that inherently guides them as to right and wrong, good and evil, righteousness and unrighteousness. We understand those very principles. Nothing else does, but we do because 
going back to Genesis 1, verses 26 and 21, God created us unique from every other life form. In that, he made us, he created man in his own image, in the image of God after his likeness. We have a soul, a spiritual being within our physical being. And that makes us unique from everything else. And that is the basis of our conscience. That is the basis of our natural sense of morality. It is there by God's design. Evolution cannot explain morality. It just can't. Evolution is a physical, naturalistic process. The evolutionists cannot explain how morality came to be within humanity simply on a naturalistic basis. Can't explain that. It's unexplainable from that perspective of reasoning. But when we understand Genesis 1, 26 and 27, when we understand all of the souls within the scriptures that tell us that we have a soul, then we understand why we are moral creatures, unlike anything else on this earth. I made the point that Jeffrey Dahmer, and many of you will remember who he was, he created horrific crimes, killing people and then cannibalizing them. He blamed his horrible cannibalistic crimes on his atheistic belief in evolution. And the reasoning behind that is, and this is the position of a whole lot of people who have turned to, to atheism and evolution. If there is no God, they would say, then there is no morality. If there is no morality, there is no virtue. And so I can do anything I want without any feeling of immorality if there is no God. Do you see? The existence of God? Morality requires a moral law giver. Morality requires a moral law giver. Morality did not just kind of conjure itself up on its own. Morality did not just kind of come into being. It was designed into the conscience of humanity by God, the creator. In Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, God through the prophet wrote this, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Huh. O Lord, correct me but with justice. What is justice without God? Again, the atheist is hard-pressed to explain. To explain justice without God. But Jeremiah wrote, it is not within man, not within man, who walks to direct his own steps. The way of man is not in himself. 
we need a moral lawgiver, in other words. The wise man Solomon wrote in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Why is God, why are his eyes in every place? Now we're talking about the omniscience of God, technical term, all-seeing, all-knowing, all the time, everywhere, and also the omnipresence of God, another technical term, meaning he is everywhere, all the time, at the same time. We're talking about God. We're talking about a spiritual being, a spiritual creator that is far beyond what we experience as physical human beings. But there it is, Proverbs 15 and verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Why? Why is God watching over everything, everywhere, all the time, at the same time, keeping watch specifically on the evil and the good, because God is the moral law giver. He takes note of acts of evil and of acts of good. In the 12th chapter of Proverbs, verse 15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. He who heeds counsel is wise, but the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. How can we understand that? Well, think about how many times you have personally done some things that you thought made a whole lot of sense to you. You acted perhaps on emotion. Or maybe you did some kind of surface-level reasoning and you came to a conclusion that this would be a good thing to do. It can be almost anything. It can be a relationship. It can be financial or economic. It can be a job decision. It can be, you just name it, go on and on and on. All kinds of examples would be possibilities. You thought that was wise in your own eyes. But then later on you came to realize Boy, that was a mistake. I really messed up there. I shouldn't have done that. Well, when somebody takes God out of the picture and just tries to govern their life on their own, by their own compass, you talk about making mistakes. It's going to be over and over and over and over and over again. God is the moral lawgiver guiding us as to right and wrong, goodness and evil. In the 21st chapter of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 2, and here the wise man wrote, every, man, uh, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. Remember when God sent the prophet Samuel to go to choose a new king for Israel. Sent him to the house of Jesse, and he began then to parade his sons before Samuel. 
And oh, one son came out and he was tall and he was stately looking, looked strong. And in the mindset of the people or, or the culture of that day and that part of the world, a kingly stature was one that was tall, that was big, that looked strong in appearance. And Samuel thought, this must be the Lord's anointed. This must be the king that God wants me to choose and anoint. God said, I look on the hearts. You look on the outward appearance, but I look on the hearts. And that's what the wise man is writing here in Proverbs 12 and verse 15, uh, in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 2. He is saying, every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. How many times do we act on impulse? We thought that was a good thing at that moment. Or how many times do we respond almost purely from emotion? Oh, we thought that was a good decision. Emotionally driven. But again, we later on down the road a little bit, we recognize I really made a mistake in doing that. I should not have done that. Well, see, God looks upon the heart and not just on the outward appearance or even just on the outward actions in and of themselves. What was the motive behind the action? You know, there are a lot of people who try to salve their own conscience, knowing that they have not lived as they should, and so they'll try to do some good act of one kind or another, and in that way kind of cover up for what they know they've done that they should not have been doing. God looks at the hearts. What's the motive behind what you're doing? In Luke chapter 16 and verse 15, Jesus said, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Boy, we see that reality in our culture, in our nation, all around us right now. So many will tell us that some particular belief or some particular philosophy, that's a good thing. That's a moral thing. And God looks at the motive behind that. He looks deeper. And what is right in the sight of men in a lot of cases is an abomination to God. So many things in our culture, in our nation today, that not very long ago we would have looked at and said, no way can we allow that. That's a bad thing. That's unrighteous. That's ungodly. Well, now we are told it is godly. It is righteous. It's a good thing. Then anybody who opposes it is ungodly. Unrighteous is bad in their thinking. God looks deeper. He is all-knowing and absolutely righteous. He sees the true motives behind a person's individual reasoning of right and wrong. And God knows the purity of true righteousness because he is truly righteous. We'll go a little bit deeper next time. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your word to guide us. Thank you for teaching us what true righteousness and morality is. Help us to recognize that you are the moral lawgiver and to implement those teachings in our lives on a consistent basis. Praise and glory be to you. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.